This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Well, I hope we've been able to suck some eyeballs and some ears away from uh, the degenerate gamblers. Hold on, that's you. No, no, no. I, I do not. I do not. I have never made an illegal sports bet. Um, I've made a few when I was in Vegas, of course. But I'm not. It's no, but not my thing. But today, you don't. It's, today, it's not illegal anymore. No, it's not. Um, but I won't be making a bet today. Yeah. Uh, I will wait and see how this industry flushes out. And that is uh, the principal topic of our conversation today. Legal sports betting in the province of Ontario hits. And across the country, too. Yeah, hits the ground running today. And there are many, many, many players yeah. in the field. And they will not all survive. Some will die. Some will merge. Some will be bought by others. I think when the thing flushes out, you're going to be looking at three, maybe five maximum mm -hmm. of these. I think there's 15 or 16 of them that have got licenses. Crazy. So two-thirds are going to be gone, maybe more, maybe more. We're going to talk about it. Our uh, sports business guru, Brian Cooper, will join us to address that subject and uh, maybe a few more when we come back after these messages. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Uh, we are back. It's McCowan. It's uh, Shannon with you on the program. Uh, today, John, is the uh, first day of legal sports wagering in this country we've had uh, proline for a long time which is um well an aberration of the same um but this is now now you can bet on any game uh one-on-one -on -one, uh just as you have for years if you if you've done it in uh, in a place like las vegas or in most other places around the world brian cooper uh joins us to chat a little bit about this is this a big deal coop Without a doubt, John, uh, uh, Tom, Tom, John, Bob, <laughs> uh, you know why, Bob? And look, you and I are not unfamiliar with the betting scene uh, in this country uh, and the United States and, and globally. You know, for years, uh, if you look at other countries, UK and Europe are way ahead of us that they've had prop bets. They've had single game betting uh, They, you know, they parlay betting, which is the only way that we were allowed to bet. There's a massive gray market uh, that has been servicing North America, Canada, and the United States uh, on betting. And to now to transition those dollars to, you know, Canadian-based organizations where the government can uh, tax and make some money, where those Canadian operators can employ Canadian uh, citizens, it, it is a big change. And uh, I, I think, you know, that is only um, uh, pointed out or... or uh, you can see the change by the 16 operators that have applied for this, these license. I think there's going to be more coming as well. Well, that is the intriguing thing to me is the number of uh, licensees that are out there and chasing this dollar. Uh, Toronto Star is in there. Sportsnet is in there. Um, MGM. Um, oh, well, uh, OLG will be... I assume doing something different from what they have been doing, but, or maybe they'll just add it on and leave ProLine where it is. But at the end of the day, I can't see more than two or three surviving. Can you? Look, I, you know, this is akin to when cannabis became legal in this country uh, and everyone and their mother were, were opening up a grow up and applying for a license because they thought it was a regulated industry. And once you have a regulated industry, just getting the license itself is going to make you money. I think there's going to be massive consolidation. This is not a business for the faint of heart. 
And if you look at DraftKings, um, DraftKings have to date lost $2.9 billion. Their stock was down 30% just this year alone. The acquisition cost and a retention cost of getting, you know, acquisition, new customer, retention, having that customer continually use your platform as opposed to the many others that are being offered with promos and, and premiums uh, is expensive. And so the ones with the deeper pockets are going to win. I just read that uh, Win Resorts, who just got into the game, is thinking about pulling out of it. So uh, I guess my, my, my biggest question is, and, and I'm an old guy, Brian, and I'm not a gambler. Um, how will it affect the way I watch sports? John, if you look at ESPN, uh, if you look at Sportsnet, uh, all of them, they are inserting uh, uh, gaming content, education, prop bets. It is slowly more and more you're going to see the side chats. Uh, you're going to see uh, other parts of the, maybe not the linear uh, broadcast, but other parts of their empire providing you with up-to-date in-game betting information. Mm -hmm. If you look at just in the recent little bit, they've signed on Dan O'Toole was uh, with River Bets, uh, Rod Black, Blackie's with uh, uh, North Star Betting, which is the Toronto Star uh, arm. Uh, I, I think they use intelligent personalities uh, to provide that content. And uh, look at the score. Uh, you know, the score is a medium, is a media company to begin with. And right. now you can go on, you can place a bet, you can get your information all on one platform. And, right. you know, for transparency, I was on the board of directors of the score uh, uh, previous to its sale to Penn Gaming. Uh, so I think all of the betting companies want to have a media partner or component to it because that's the only way you're going to, you know, stay on top of the game. I see, you know, you, you talk about the score. John Levy's, we all, there are times in the last 25 years, we've looked at John Levy and said, what is he doing? I mean, his TV network, it's, it's not as good as the other two. And then when he sold it to Rogers, but he kept the app. Um, this guy John Levy is a genius. He's a genius. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so is his son. So they sold it, uh, the linear television network to score uh, to, for $167 million. Right. And at the time said, you know, I want to keep this app. And they're going, well, whatever, keep the app digital, who cares? Yeah. And he just sold that digital app for $2 billion. Yeah. yeah. So John, uh, who's a friend of mine and, and, uh, you know, someone that I really look up to as a smart, smart guy and Benji as well. They've done a tremendous job. One of the things that has puzzled me through during this process, um, has been the way, advertising and promotion has been used or not used by these companies. If you concede, and I've talked to a couple of them at least, and they understand that this is going to be a fast race to the finish line. This is not going to be a marathon. It's going to be a sprint. In other words, once you get your client base established, you're in business. If you don't get your client base from the beginning, Taking clients from other sites is going to be far more difficult. So how do you get a client base? Well, you promote, you make people aware. We saw um, Riverbet um, launch during the Olympics, right. the mm -hmm. very heavy campaign. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, expensive I thought, well, campaign too. Well, of course, um, I'm sure in the millions of dollars, but I thought, well, that's very interesting. Um, but did they, are they launching too soon? Cause they launched six weeks before, um, mm -hmm. it was going to be legal and then have kind of more or less disappeared for the last six weeks. Um, we've just seen MGM with Gretzky commercials start to emerge. Um, North star, the Toronto star site to my knowledge, hasn't done anything yet. Um, well, MGM has also signed Connor McDavid and uh, Bet99 has signed Austin Matthews as, as the guys right. to endorse it. Yeah, but, but they, you know, today is day one. You know, I haven't listened to the radio yet as we do this in the morning, but to the best of my knowledge, there are m many, if not most of these sites aren't ready to launch their advertising campaigns yet. That puzzles me to no end. As I said, given that I think I think a few are going to win and lose in the first few weeks here. Brian, your thoughts? 
Well, well I, some of them have just kept their powder dry for this day. And, and, you know, I can tell you from the score, while others were out there spending a fair amount of money uh, advertising, both in the U.S. and Canada, uh, the Canadian companies other than Riverbet uh, had really not done anything. The score once, uh, I think in the last two weeks, now all of a sudden you've seen the campaign. A lot of them, Bobby, are, are digital. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, this is they're working from a mobile app in most cases. Sure. And so most of the dollars they're going to put in there digital. But you know, I should point out there, there are two elements to this. One is brand awareness that one, you know, we're score bed, we're MGM bed or we're, we're FanDuel. The other is all of them do your first $300 will match that in betting money. So that acquisition cost beyond the cost of buying the advertising, the act, the acquisition for customer uh, sign up and retention is really expensive, and that's why, as I mentioned before, DraftKings had you know two point nine billion dollars in the hole. Well, hey, one, so of the, the, one of the things, John, that 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 I'll be interested in seeing is, and you meant you, you brought it to mind with the. You know, bet you know, deposit three hundred dollars. We'll give you three hundred dollars free. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that that has occurred to me is um, w- when do they start playing with the betting lines? In other words, if it's a if it's a ten cent profit margin, when does somebody cut it to nine or eight or seven and try and prov- create value that way, Brian? Well, first of all, it's a good point, Bobby, because the, the margins on these things are like usually five and six percent. I mean, they're not heavy, heavy margins. Uh, so, two, you have to have a competitive line. Like, if if you if you have a line of minus four and someone's got a, a line of minus two, uh, and they're going to be putting all their money, I, I think there's very little loyalty here. If people are truly looking. Uh, for the for the best odds, and so one you have to be be straight with your odds. And people in the past have accused Proline of having this is the previous Proline previous to this date right. uh, of of not having competitive odds. Uh, but at the same time, you know that's the only thing you could do, and it was a parlay. Uh, so once they they start playing with that, or Bob, to your uh, point, uh, once they drop. Uh, the integrity of their pricing and the profit margin, uh, that's a slippery slope. That is a real slippery slope. Oh, it is. Slope. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, the, the bigger, uh, more well-financed group will just come in and swoop them up uh, because, you know, that, that is an indication that you're not going to be around for a long period of time. So the other thing is, is that uh, a lot of the discussion we're having is Ontario-based. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other provincial governments, the provincial jurisdictions, they have tried to maintain it within their own lottery system, correct? Yes, yes. BC and, in particular. BC, uh, yeah, the, the, and the, most of the western state yeah. provinces. So h- how will that differ? Do you know? Well, I don't know. Uh, but but I, what I think it will do is it'll be a more competitive opportunity uh, in Ontario for, for the consumer. Right. Uh, that, you know, whether it's the premium that you're going to get, the information that you're going to get, they, you know, they're using it through one funnel and through the uh, control of the provincial government. I think the opportunity here is more like it is in the UK uh, and Europe, as well as the United States, that it's an open market and anyone can do it. Get the best odds, get the best promo and get the best information. You know, by the way, ease of use is is also very important. Yes. If your app if your app isn't really good and you have to go through machinations every time you're placing a bet, you can't get the information. You want to know where your in-game betting is another one. And I also think the ones that are really going to be profitable and win is the ones that open online casinos as well as sports betting. Because I, I think you know there's a number of people and this is all a youth market in most cases uh, that the, the ones, and, and by the way, OLG is going in that direction, and so is DraftKings and others, where you know you can switch over from placing a bet on your favorite sports team uh, to going to playing poker or going to playing uh, whatever it's uh, uh, gaming uh, you want to do online. But why are these, I mean, let's get to the point. Why are these companies, why have, are they so late in getting to the promotion table? 
Is this is this uh, them being flawed? A flawed system? I know, but you, Bob, you can promote the brand and tell them to sign up. But when you can't do anything, and it says, you know, thanks for signing up, you know, come back to us on April fourth. Right. Well, you know, except you, except that today is day one, and you know, yes. uh, we have we have been in conversation with several of these sites, quite bluntly, because they're looking for advertising partners. Mm-hmm. someplace to promote. And I myself have had direct contact from more than a mm-hmm. couple. None of them have started their programs. None of them have booked their advertising campaigns. Um, that's, that's the issue that they didn't start last week is one thing that they didn't start like Riverbet did six weeks ago is maybe understandable, but to not be ready to go today makes no sense to me. I think they're ready to go. I think a lot of them have uh, cross-border uh, brand recognition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think uh, if you look, OLG has signed up the NFL and the NHL as advertising sponsors. Uh, and you, you, you see that also with the, the Leafs and the Raptors, that there's, there are, are, are gaming sponsors now. Uh, so they have been in marketplace to the core fan. I think you'll see more general and, and also – the Sportsnet and TSN broadcast—they've been out there. Yeah, well, Sportsnet is actually got their own betting site now. Right. I don't know if TSN has. Do they, Brian? Do you know? No, no, not that I'm. Do aware. they have plans to? Do you have any idea? Uh, I thought both of them uh, would have done it, and then I also thought their partnership with MLS and E uh, that they, that t- that threesome would have done uh, something with one player like a DraftKings or a mm-hmm. FanDuel or, or the score bet. Uh, but that didn't come to fruition. So what about brick and mortar, Brian? Um, and when I say that, when you go to a game at Prudential Center, there, there is a brick and mortar book uh, mm-hmm. at that arena. There is one in Washington, too. Do you suspect we'll have a brick and mortar, uh, an actual, well, for want of a better word, a stall? At Scotiabank Arena or at Rogers Arena, I, Rogers I, Place? I, I, I think real sports eventually will turn into a sports book. Uh, I th- yeah, I think there will be then through OLG there'll be sports books at the casinos and the and the racinos uh, that we have in this country or in this province. Uh, I think it's a matter of time and a matter of regulation. But I mean, I think that's somebody uh, that real sports actually looks like a sports book with Doesn't the it? amount of with the amount of screens that they have and multiple plays that they have. It's like it's perfect to be right there. Um, and, and by the way, that'd be the most profitable uh, element of MLS and E if it was. Well, and the, the issue, as you mentioned, um, OLG has gone out and done deals mm-hmm. with these major corporations, which would mean it would prohibit the 15 others or whatever who have licenses from being in those locations. I, I don't know if they're uh, exclusive deals, Bob. They could be non-exclusive. Well, it doesn't make any sense to me to have 15 different places and 15 different sports books in the corridors of, um, um, you know, Scotiabank Arena, for example, or at a place oh, oh, like, okay. you yes. know what I mean? Yes. You're, you're, if you're going to do that kind of a deal, you're going you're gonna to rent that real estate to one entity and give them an exclusive, right. as they in, do with most of their other advertisers. Right. In arena. You're yeah. talking about in arena. I get it. Yeah, well, or sure. at a restaurant, for example. Yeah. Like Which, across yeah. the street, right? And, and, right. and the the other thing, Brian, is is that and you you have great contacts both at the league and the team levels across this country. Um, and it's kind of a rhetorical question, but how active are the teams in this in this in this sphere? Where where do we see that changing? Where do we see the NHL wow. and the NBA being involved with the Raptors and the Maple Leafs and 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 these guys in on site? First of all, this is newfound money. This in crypto are the, the, the two most uh, um, newfound wells of uh, revenue for teams and leagues. Uh, and if you look at the NHL itself, has I think they've got six uh, partners already. Yeah. Uh, and the NBA has got partners and they've got data partners, you know, Genius that uh, provides the data that the people are allowed to use to place the bets or to make the odds to place the bets. Uh, then there's brand revenue of, you know, rig boards or whatever to get the you know, people to go to the site to make the bets. This has been a, a fountain of revenue that they're all focused on. Uh, so, uh, you know, as thing, and I'll, I'll give you uh, um, 
will there be a uh, like crypto.com arena uh, will there be a naming company i think eventually there will be a, a, a gaming brand that will have naming rights to, to a venue and and to your points bob it'll turn into a sports bet uh, within the arena and, and, and the, uh, any other properties that they own, including restaurants. Well, this is all very, very expensive. But to put it in some context, and it is a U.S. deal, but Dan Lebetard has a podcast in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and DraftKings has now acquired sponsorship of his podcast. Mm-hmm. And I believe a couple of smaller ones that the same company runs. Yeah, Meadowlark, yeah. Uh, for $50 million a year. Wow. So, um, Bobby, get amount, yours out there. Huh? <laughs> Giddy up, get yours out there. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, and there's no way to know whether that's going to, going to be a wise investment or a, an absurd one. And Libertard has a good size audience. Oh yeah. Mm. Um, there's no doubt about that. I'm not questioning that, it, but it isn't the biggest. He isn't number one. And for whatever reason, they chose to go with him and God bless him. But that is a boatload of money to invest. For, for, for and a DraftKings year. is coming to Canada too. Yeah. For a year. Yeah. Well, basically four point something uh, million dollars a, a month in advertising dollars, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what they're spending. Yeah. Well, but let me let me give you an example though. So, Ontario is close to 15 million people. It's you know we'd be equivalent to the fifth or fourth largest state in the United States. Legalized gambling, online gambling, a uh, single uh, game uh, opened in New York three months ago. Last month they did one one point five billion in revenue. New Jersey did 1.1. 1. 1. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of revenue. And when you, when you have a big population base with a legacy of sports teams, you know, five in the New York or six in the New York uh, trading area, I mean, there's a lot to be made. You know, will Iowa have the same? No, I don't think so. Uh, but, you know, uh, states uh, and, and major centers uh, it, it is a driving revenue source. And so uh, to your point, uh, the advertising dollars that support that, I could see why. Yeah, and we should point out that when Brian talks about $1.5 billion in, in revenue, what you're actually talking about is something in the neighborhood of 4.5% in profit, projected profit. You're, it's right. going to vary because of- I'm talking about the gross handle. Yeah. Yes, I know. So you take about 4% of 1.5 billion, which is what, 60 million, I think. Yeah. And then you take away your cost of operation out of there. So you can see where a DraftKings would see profitability in spending $50 million on Levitard. And it's only a fraction of what they spend overall. Right. Because that doesn't include their television advertising, which during the NFL season was pretty extensive, and everywhere else that they're going to spend money. Yeah, but for, the, the, the 1.5 billion, take the six to seven percent, which I understand it to be, and still take out your operating costs. You know, they're paying four million dollars for and change a month, those are monthly figures, mm-hmm. so that does make sense, sure. And the other thing, the other thing is, is that, um, who like who owns DraftKings? Who's behind DraftKings? I mean, let's face it, it is not a mom and pop operation, we're talking, well, it's, it's publicly traded though. But I mean, but you know, ESPN owns a part either DraftKings oh, yeah. or FanDuel. I mean, we we we're talking major corporations that are behind funding this thing. A hundred percent, and and private equity firms. I mean, it, look, you know, the reason Vegas is built up the way it is is because they've won a lot, and yeah. you know, in the end, while there's some of these are going to lose after consolidation, the ones that are left standing are going to win a lot. I don't doubt that at all, but it's, it's worth noting that, um, you know, the amount of revenue generated by sports books in Vegas, which are now almost exclusively in hotels, mm-hmm. that was not the case when I first moved there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were far more outside independent operators. Those, those guys are basically gone, but the amount of money the sports book generates for a place like a Caesar's palace or MGM grand is 
it's fluff money. Yeah, it's not the lion's share. They said it's four percent. Yeah, well, it it they make more at the restaurants than they do, <laughs> and they and they and a lot of times they give away the food, but they make more at the restaurants yeah. than they do at the sports book. It's an it's a very small piece of the pie, but the pie is very large internationally. You know, you have to recognize that in Vegas, people come and go all the time. Many, if not most of them, aren't going to walk into a sports book. No, everybody's using the app now. Everybody's using the app. Yeah, right? well, but and, and it's going to hurt Vegas. It's going to hurt the sports books in Vegas without question. It probably already has. I'm sure it has. While it has, while it creates new new customers, creates um, additional interest. They find it a lot easier to do it, you know, sitting at home on their cell sure. phone. Right. Sure. Yeah, but that's why Caesars is into it and then MGM's into it. I mean, they, they're, they're protecting their territory. Oh, of course they are. And, and to be honest with you, you know, I've been known to place a bet every once in a while. And, you know, doing it on your phone is as easy as it comes. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't go to Vegas too often and I don't go to casinos that, but I'm, I'm still an active better. Yeah, I understand. Well, look, at, I've been involved in the industry for a long, long period of time, like 40 years. And you got um, me into it. Well, we started with the Vegas line in the late 1970s. Oh, I remember. At a time when, at a time when everything was illegal, and yet um, the newspapers will tell you, or would have told you back then. Most of the guys that are were running it were are probably dead by now. But uh, that Vegas line little thing in the Toronto Star and and in the Toronto Sun generated lots of eyeballs. And that's when people had to find some, you know, some bookie on the corner to take their action. When it becomes legal, um, it does bring out a lot more people who will will sample it. 100%. And kids, 100%. And the, one of the one of the things, I, you know, I did a I did a presentation to the Canadian government years ago and promoted legalization of of sports betting. And one of the things that I was I emphasized was safety. Making mm-hmm. sure that People had, there were limitations for people because mm-hmm. uh, what we don't want is what you don't want with alcohol or with um, drugs or anything else that's become legal. Uh, you don't want abuse. You don't want people losing their houses, losing, you know, ruining their lives. Yeah. As an entertainment thing, that's fine. The dilemma you face with sports betting is that if you walk, if you walk into a casino They'll tell you you can only bet so much on a hand of blackjack or a, a roll of the dice. Sports betting really does not have those limitations. Yes, there are limits, but you can access a wager at 50, 100, 500 different places around the world on your phone, on your computer. So you really don't have a limit to how much you can bet. And there ought to be safeguards against that kind of stuff. And I'm if I don't know if you're familiar with what Ontario has done, but I'm not. I haven't seen they, anything that that they, they in, you know what they in, not, not offer protection. They institute uh, and mandate uh, that the operators that receive the license have to have a continuous educational element. Uh, and it's like responsible drinking, uh, responsible betting and showing you know, showing them what could happen uh if uh, you you were unregulated yeah i don't and know about so you it's, guys it's self-regulation as but it's well, through education through education yeah but but if you're inclined to be you know for 99 percent of the population they don't pay any attention to it because they know better they know they're not going to get in trouble but it's that well actually two percent that are going to be at risk and are going to essentially have fine wind up in financial ruin as a result of this. And they aren't going to read those messages, Brian. No, but just like the alcoholic isn't going to read exactly the same message. It's the same thing. Uh, But so do you you close up 98% of the population that can self-regulate as a result of the 2% that can't? Well, and I don't want to get too deep into this, but when I made my presentation to the government, what I suggested was that you have to apply for a, essentially a, um, um, a license, like a driver's license, and you have to provide fi- a financial information. And based on that financial information, you would be limited as to how much you can bet in any particular period of time. 
and it would be easy it's, as pie to do. It's too big brotherish. I was going to say the government limiting how you spend your money. It's none of their business. Well, it's their business to take our money whenever they can uh, through taxation when they don't give us any option other than an election wow. to determine that. I mean, if you're going to, you know, if, if you're going to open this up to the public and not have it operated by a government agency as OLG has for yeah. years and years, then you have to provide some level of protection for the people that you are serving. There, there are some guardrails, Bobby, but again, they're not. Uh, well, I'd be interested to they're see. Passive. They're passive guardrails. I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, and it starts with the education more than anything else. And let's, but, face you it, know, let, let's face it, the ease of an app, the ease of an app, when you, when you attach a credit card to an app, mm-hmm. it's painless. It's mm-hmm. painless to hit bet again, bet again, mm-hmm. bet again. And that's, the, the, you'd but have to have we, we, But we saw that with poker. You know, it starts yeah. with poker.net and then it goes to poker.com. And all of a sudden, you've got your 16-year-old kid in the basement, yep. you know, thrown, thrown a couple thousand dollars per hand. And so it's the same type of passive regulations and education elements that they're putting in here. Yeah. Uh, we got to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about a couple of other items on the agenda. We will readdress the situation, I don't know, a couple of months down the road once we get a feel for It'd be interesting. how it's gone and where, and, and where it's going. Uh, Brian Cooper is uh, with us. We'll come back with more after these messages. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Colin and Shannon and Brian Cooper uh, with you. We have a couple of other things to uh, discuss I want to get to. Uh, a little more, than, well, a week ago, I guess. Um, Eugene Melnick passed away, uh, the owner of the Ottawa Senators and a friend of this show and of mine and of John's too. Um, I don't know. Did you know Eugene at all, Brian? Uh, only through business dealings, When specifically when he... <laughs> Uh, changed the name from Scotiabank Arena uh, to Canadian, Canadian Tire, Tire Center. Yeah. And I was on both sides of that deal representing Scotia and Canadian Tire. It was, uh, it was not, not fun. A little conflict of interest, perhaps. <laughs> um, who takes over in Ottawa? I mean, Eugene was sick to the point of being on his deathbed a few years ago mm-hmm. um, with a liver transplant wife, I believe. And he got an he got an organ transplant. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to get. I don't know this, but I'm going to guess that Eugene did estate planning at that time. And given that I assume he was ill for some period of time before his passing, he did further updates on his estate planning. At this point, it is believed that the two his two daughters are the beneficiaries in his estate. Any sense as to whether they continue with this franchise, which probably was not profitable, although you got to always be careful when you say that um, with any sports franchise because there's ways of hiding your money, but um, it's certainly not a cash cow. Do you have any knowledge as to whether they will continue to be involved with the team, to operate the team? Will there be a board of directors that runs it? Will they sell it? You know, I don't have any information. I heard that, you know, it, it was going to be taken over by his uh, two children. Uh, but, you know, Bob, it's, it's, uh, this is not an easy operation, uh, no. Ottawa. And, and it's a challenge at the best of times. Uh, and to be, you know, with all due respect, uh, Eugene was a challenge uh, as an owner for a lot of people that I know that worked for him and operated it. Mm-hmm. He was one of those owners that liked Dan Dolan. Uh, that would uh, like to get uh, heavily involved in the day to day, and would you know there would always be, be pressure applied uh, to a market that I mean location is not the greatest location. Uh, the market is not the great corporate base uh, uh, for uh, season seat sales, uh, nor great corporate base for sponsorship. So on every level they were challenged, and so you you had to have a really efficient optimal operating team to do that 
will these two uh, women want to take that on? Uh, I don't know. But uh, if they do, I suggest uh, they uh, make sure that they have some real good counsel from other NHL owners um, because they may not realize what they're getting into. Well, they may want to take, yeah. take the check and run. As a follow-up to that, if they decide that they are not up for the challenge, well, is it, this is not going to be an easy team to sell, is it? Oh, yes. They, they'll be able to sell it. They'll be able to sell it. Absolutely. You know what? There's a, there's a thing about uh, sports teams. You know, you could be the greatest manufacturer of zippers in the world. And the only people that know you are the, the people in the zipper industry. And you could be a billionaire. If you want to get known, go buy a sports team right. with, the, with the billions you have. They, they, they always are an emotional and ego buy. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, let me tell you, I'm not knocking any of the NHL or NBA owners, but, you know, Steve Ballmer. I mean, th this is an emotional ego buy. And, and any of them, Jerry Buss when he had. Mm -hmm. uh, so no matter what the team is, if it's at a major league level, there will be a Canadian. Am I right on this, John? That will just say, I'm in. Absolutely. I can, this, I can turn it around. Everybody thinks they're a miracle worker. There's no question. They all think they're marketing gurus and they, they, they think they can apply their private industry uh, practices to professional sports teams. Right. So, right. but let me, let me, you, with what you know, Brian, if Eugene Melnick hadn't bought this team in 2002 or 2003 and bought the arena at, at like 20 cents on the dollar, um, I don't think the team would be there. Do you? Uh, look, I think he was a savior at the time. I do think the team would be, there would have been someone else that came up okay. and cut the same deal. You know, and I look at a bunch of other teams that we have in this country, uh, some CFL teams that uh, they have existed through years of debt and, and, and bad management. And they still continue to go because someone wants to own a professional sports team. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, what kind of price do you guys think the Ottawa senators could get? Privately, what's, 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 what's the public number? What's the private number? <laughs> mm -hmm. Because the public number has to be 600 million, at least. Right. Yeah. The private number will not be that. I don't think. But, but it'll be 400. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be four, four to 500 million. I yeah. think so. You, I mean, you, again, can't, you can't sell so an existing franchise for less than you sold Seattle for. Well, the board would not approve it. Is what you no, said. you got to maintain the integrity of your expansion fees sure. and the, the, the other owners as well. And so, the, you know, John makes a good point. They, they, they would not sell for anything less. Even though small market doesn't make a difference, then they, they, they are going to maintain the integrity of the price point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just, it, it, you know, it just seems to me to be a bad business decision with um, LeBreton Flats apparently out of the picture now. Uh, no, uh, no site other than maybe Gatineau for an arena. Can you make money with that arena and now aging arena out where it is? And that is a real question mark. I mean, well, I understand that the Eugene alienated the fan base there to the point where a lot of them stopped going, but it's far and people don't want to drive there. Even Eugene acknowledged that. But, Bob, there's a ton of NHL and hockey fans in that marketplace that have a legacy of a sports team. They're not about to give that up. No. And well, actually, you know, that I'd, is buy the only the, I'd buy the team, yeah. Brian. You and I and John would buy the team if we could move it. But that will be part it, of the it, legacy. It, it, that will be part of Gary's legacy to this thing. You can buy it. We'll sell the team, but it has to stay for at least 25 years. Yeah. Glendale? And that, that's a fundamental mistake. Are you talking Glendale? No, yeah. Right. Well, that's another story for another day. But, but but what I'm saying is, I mean, you could buy the team on the condition that, you know, you negotiate with the city to do a sort of private public uh, new build uh, before you bought yeah. the team. See, it would not surprise me at all. And I, I have no inside knowledge at all. But it would not surprise me that through all of this and with the passing of Eugene uh, and a potential sale, uh, if it does occur, if the family decides to sell it, that LeBreton, LeBreton comes back. It wouldn't surprise well, me That's at all. what I mean. Yeah. Different ownership group, different sure, approach, sure. different attitude to the partnership, how sure. the, the partnership would work. 
I look, I think there's a deal to be had at some point in time because they, to your point, Bob, they have to, they have to at some point make the move, at least give the promise of the move within the next five years. Got to. Now that, now that becomes real attractive to a potential uh, purchaser. Yeah, except you're, pro- you're probably adding $500 million to a billion dollars in terms of co- additional cost for a new arena. Yeah. And I know that... that but so, uh, was Eugene, so was Eugene. Yes, I, mean, I know. It, that, that was a reality of moving downtown. I, I understand. And I, and I also know that people saying, well, they won't pay for all of it. No, they won't. They won't pay for all of it. But that's why I say it's $500 million to a billion. Yeah. You know, because the arena might cost a billion dollars, but... Um, and the infrastructure around it, but somebody else, the government is going to have to pay. The public is going to have to pay at least half of that is my guess. Well, and if you that makes sense to do that, if you can buy this team for $400 million and walk into San Antonio, for example, there, where there is a facility, where there is an arena, you know, I mean, I know Bettman won't let that happen, but that's why I wonder whether when push comes to shove, whether one of these ego-driven multi-gazillionaires is going to want to be, and I don't, I do not use this term in a derogatory fashion, stuck in Ottawa, but without an ability to do no. what they might want to do. Uh, Jim Balsilli, you're talking about Jim Balsilli sure. was going to make the purchase only on the condition that he was going to move it, and that did not happen. It's like you, if you buy a McDonald's. Uh, franchise, you don't have the right to move it wherever you want because you want to be more profitable. I, Brian, I'm not arguing. Or what it is. Okay. I'm not arguing that. I'm, I'm agreeing with you guys that Batman, the NHL, won't allow the movement of the franchise in terms of the sale. It'll have to be a desperate, a move of complete and utter desperation. But I'm saying to you, a potential buyer will explore that immediately. The value of this franchise is that you can get it by your own acknowledgement for about $400 million, less than Seattle expansion. And there are places out there that are better markets right now than Ottawa is. But you know what's a better market than right now where, where the arena is? Downtown. Because that's right. Now you're gonna, and, and so that's, that's what I you're buying. I don't argue that. So, but that's what you're buying. Mm-hmm. You're, you're buying that. You're buying maybe better, downtown. Better, I'm going to have better season seat sales, more consistent season seat sales. Um, people are going to be coming out in droves to this in terms of corporate use, in terms of the sponsorship. Maybe. I'd yeah. still rather go to San Antonio and take my chances there. Uh, wait, 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 San Antonio? Holy Well, smoke. because it's been mentioned. That's why. Because it's, it, it, it's sort of the next stop. Now that Seattle's got a team, Vegas has got a team. Houston. San Antonio comes out. Houston. All right, there's another one. Yeah. The, the one thing I would say is, and, and Brian, you, you've had lots of dealings with the man. They, for the most part, and there's always exceptions, this is where Gary shines. He finds ways to make or, things work. Or he will walk in one day and say, boys, we got a fish or cut bait and we're going. Well, like wait a second. Like I know, I know like you love it. Gary, and you and you like bow to him at no, every no, no. at every opportunity. I, I, I don't. That's but not the fair, truth Bob. of the matter. Is explain Glendale, explain Arizona. Then this is Gary's stubbornness and unwillingness to acknowledge oh, that Glendale and and Phoenix and Arizona mm-hmm. have been a failure. They have been okay, a Bobby. failure, and Gary Bettman has has propped them up over and over and over again. Okay, and I mean so- that's the truth. Look, it, it hasn't been optimal and failure, probably yes. If on overall of what Gary's done for the last 20 years. Yeah. I'm not I'm arguing owner, that. If I'm an owner, I'm saying this guy's a genius. And you know what? Yeah, right. I, I, I do like Gary, and sometimes I don't. But I can tell this. He's pretty much the smartest guy in the room. And he manages 18 or 19, uh, how many uh, billionaires, not all billionaires, and, 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 and does it pretty damn well. Yeah. The one thing, the one thing I would say about Glendale, Bob, is that if the city of Tempe later this week agree with Alex Morello to invest in a four billion dollar project, then it justifies going to the smaller arena for three years. Well, we'll see. When's the last time they, you know, are they going to sell out in Tempe? They didn't sell out in Glendale. They thought that was a good deal too. No, North they didn't. That was, the, that was always the issue. That's, that's, the you, that's right. That is exactly right. It is the same as Canada. Well, but they went there because they had because, <coughs> partly because 
A, they couldn't get their own arena built, and B, the NBA owner, Robert Sarver, hates hockey and wouldn't deal with them. Well, I get and, all and, the reasons why, but again, Gary orchestrated and, and manipulated all of this, yeah. and they went through how many owners and no money and no attendance and uh, uh, mismanaged to the nth in terms of their on-ice product, and it is a franchise that if it's moved, it is 10 times more valuable somewhere else and Gary won't do it. And I acknowledge all the great things that he's done. I'm not talking about Gary as a big picture. I'm saying his stubbornness when it comes to keeping franchises in dead markets like Arizona is, is nothing more than stubbornness. I, I don't agree, but that's fine. Brian, you want to, you want to, you want to uh, look, you know, is, is, is Gary somewhat uh, committed to, any of the act, previous actions that he's taken and reticent to really make a 180 on anything. I agree with that. Uh, does he want to, I mean, if he had uh, an owner in his back pocket uh, that was going to say Houston and take it to Houston, do you think he would do that, Bob? No, because as you said, there's, own, there's, there's buyers for everything. Yeah, you know what? Look, you can't have it, it both it. ways, Brian. Mess, if there's a yeah. buyer, if there's buyers for Ottawa in their mess, then there's a buyer as as they he has found. Now he's found a, a few that had funny money or fake money or whatever, didn't have what they said they had and couldn't <clears> do <throat> what they said they could do. But he has sold that franchise has been sold how many times, John? Four, at yeah. least, at least. Yeah. You know, it hasn't it hasn't worked out. I look, I'm I'm not disagreeing with you. Is he going right. to move it? I I doubt it. Uh, I want to bring one more thing up before we let you go. Since last we talked, uh, Canada has qualified for uh, Qatar. And, um, you know, I'm not the biggest soccer fan, but I fell in love with this team. And I will watch like crazy once they get to the World Cup. Um, based on your experience with uh, Canada basketball, what do you think this means for soccer in terms of revenue, sponsorship, et cetera, et cetera? Is this going to be an explosion? I think it'll be an explosion. Look, I, Canada soccer has done a very good job um, to begin with, uh, their the women's uh, team performance has led the way for many years. And by the way, the same thing with Canada basketball. Our women are number four in the world, and our men are number sixteen at this point. But I, I could tell you this: uh, for the the amount of uh, broadcast viewership, sponsorship dollars, uh, merchandise sales, outpouring of fandom, like yourself, like. You know, all of a sudden, this team has captured our imagination, mm -hmm. uh, and and it's also the 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 players themselves, the attitude that they have, uh, whether it's you know jumping into a pile of snow after a win, you know, it's wrapping themselves in the flag. It, it is a boon to that sport and to that organization, and we'll see that effect for a decade to come. Uh, so they are going to do very well on renewals. They'll do. They will get more and more categories are going to be filled. Uh, their broadcast deals are going to be better. Uh, so, yeah, this has been outstanding. Well, and the talent will will improve, as it has in yeah. basketball. Mm -hmm. uh, hundred, You, you know, know they, they say you can be the best marketer in the world, win, and you're a genius. Well, yeah, you're right. And I watched, I'm sure you did, the high school basketball um, yes, the uh, championship game, all-star game, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, the other great. day. I mean, a <laughs> bunch of kids. Boy, yeah. can they play? Well, the pipeline for basketball in this country, both uh, women and men, uh, it is stacked. You know, we had, I think, over oh, yeah, 70 kids in the NCAA this year. It is stacked for years to come. And, you know, you can say that's the Vince Carter effect. Uh, the, and, and now yeah, we're yeah, seeing truth to that. a couple of decades later. And it, the Raptors winning the championship, we're going to be seeing that for another couple of decades later. And Kyle Lowry's night last night. I mean, all those things add up. But for soccer... Uh, they've got a very bright future, and I'm happy for them. Uh, Brian, we're going to tap on your uh, on your door and somewhere down the road several weeks from now, and and we'll readdress this sports betting thing and see where everything flushes out because uh, it'll be it'll be most interesting. I'm, I wonder how many will survive six weeks. I'm not. I'm pretty <laughs> sure not all of them. Uh, thanks, Coop. We'll talk to you soon. Good to see you guys, Brian Cooper. Back after these messages. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. 
or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. McCown and Shannon back with you. Our thanks to Brian Cooper, of course, for uh, joining us. I want to correct one thing I said, uh, Brian, uh, Brian, uh, John. Um, I mentioned the Dan Lebetard show and the $50 million deal with DraftKings. Mm-hmm. That actually is a $50 million deal over three years, not per year. So it's even a better deal. Well, $17 million a year. Yeah. But it's a, it, it's a minimum of $50 million yeah. over three years. It could be more than that. And it does involve multiple platforms, too. So just to put it in context, so See, that you don't get a lot of emails from oh, I'll get four emails. All, your, all your pals. I'll, I'll get four emails. So. Um, the, the interesting thing for me, and I, and I, I think as we, as we proceed through all this, uh, the conventional sports viewer, cause I'm, that's really, that's the world that I live in. Um, and Brian really brought up a good point is that, that, you know, the, this is a world of cord cutters and working on the apps. Uh, and when you can create content on the app, uh, that you can go find it without actually compromising what you put on your cable network or or any network for that matter. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be fascinating to watch see how content is created, how it's used, um, and and the the line between editorial and what the the gambling odds that need to be used in order to try to justify it. I, I that's that's the part I'm looking at and wondering if it's going to bother me as I see that stuff. Well, many years ago, when I was a young man, I went to Vegas for my first time in the 1970s, by the way, I met a fellow named Sonny Reisner, who was a sports book uh, operator at uh, the Castaways Hotel, which is long gone, replaced by the Mirage when they built that. And uh, Sonny was the first to do um, gimmick betting. Um, What's that? Prop bets? You mean? Prop bets. Okay. And... Um, that I think will be the focus for sure. a lot of people. It'll be, you know, how, because they want action mm-hmm. to just bet on the outcome of the game. Isn't going to be enough for the degenerate. They're going to want to sit there and make a bet every 30 seconds on something. Who's going to score the next goal. Who's going to have the next shot on goal. Right. You know, that kind of thing. And I'm sure these systems, while I haven't seen any of them yet, I'm sure that they will are taking all that into consideration and will, uh, will go down that road, but I'm betting that's, I'm betting that's the way this will go. And at the end of it, you're going to have a lot of people uh, with desperate financial problems. Mm -hmm. And um, me cautioning people not to do it would be a waste of breath because they're not going to listen to me or anybody else. Um, But that is the real danger here. It's 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 not that I'm against it. I just wish the government would take it more seriously and put some limitations on the amount you can bet. Well, yeah. I mean, that it's going to have to be a concern. We're going to have to monitor in the next couple of years to see whether it works or not that way. Bob. Really well, as, yeah, as mentioned, we're going to we're going to monitor it over the next few weeks and just see how these companies go and, and what yeah. they're doing. So uh, we'll have Brian back. We uh, thank you for watching or listening, as the case may be, for John Shannon, Bob McCowan. Have a good day. Goodbye, everybody.